this is the first episode of our new podcast, Navi Tales, where me, Joshua, and my friend, Nick, sit down and we talk about the lore and legends in video games. For our first episode, we thought we should begin with an introduction for each other. Not from me to Nick, because I don't know Nick. This is the first time we've met. Yeah, this from is Nick. Weird. I to met Nick. him on. He was, like, had a Craigslist thing, and he was just like looking for semi-handsome dude to do podcast with. And, and I, I lucked like, out, because I got a real handsome dude. I was like, I think I'm adequate enough, so <laughs> why the fuck not? So, my name is Josh. I play video games frequently. Uh, the reason we decided to start this podcast was because both of us care a lot about the story and the lore in video games. And uh, because of that, we thought that we could elaborate on that a little bit more and maybe look at some of the subtexts of that like uh for example today we're doing pokemon so we're gonna do some of the subtexts in that uh for this sake though i think that we should talk about how we ended up getting into the stories in video games so for me the first time i saw something that i really cared about story-wise in a video game ended up being halo the first halo game on Xbox original was one of the first games that I played where I dove straight into the lore for that because the flood fascinated me. I don't know if you've any played any of the Halo games. I have not actually played any of the Halo games because Halo was uh, Xbox and I'm not a big avid uh, fan of Xbox and have not owned one. There is an Xbox one in my house but it's not mine. If you ever get the chance, I think we should definitely play Combat Evolved Anniversary. It's fun as hell. Yeah. I mean, I'm not opposed to, like... I'm not sitting here going, like, I hate Halo. I'm just like, I just never had an Xbox. I always had uh, Nintendo or PlayStation. So... Yeah, I dove headfirst into that. The Covenant fascinated me. The Flood fascinated me as the series moved on. I got fascinated in it. I mean, I haven't played the most recent one because I couldn't be bothered to give a shit about anything after Reach. But that's just <laughs> Is me. that the one where it was just like, he might be bad? Yeah. <laughs> that, like, 4 and 5 are like... I, I did play 4, actually. But, yeah, I don't... I, I, at is the it, end of 4... Is that what happened when, like, you get too long... In franchises, you're just like, he might be bad. Like, Fast and Furious, you're just like, he's bad. Yeah, if a, if a franchise runs on longer than, like, six years, one of the main characters needs to become a villain. That's just how it works. <laughs> they need to, they need their moralities questioned. Yeah, that's 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 the only way that it works. But, yeah, I I got really into it with that, and, and because of that, I started looking up things and reading all the books, and ever since then, I that's just what I've done with every game that I've touched. And as for games that I really enjoy, my favorite games are Earthbound. I love Earthbound's one of my favorite games of all time, and the Mother franchise as a whole. I really enjoy The Witcher, and I really enjoy enjoy Bloodborne. Bloodborne and Souls games are lifeblood to me, and they're the only reason I wake up in the morning. <laughs> uh, Nick, how about yourself? All right, so yeah, as uh, like Josh, I've been playing video games a really long time. Might some say I might have an issue with that because I play them in like every f like free moment I have. Um, I want to say the first game that really got me into lore was probably Kingdom Hearts. Honestly, uh, it's one of my favorite franchises, regardless whether you think the games are good or not, the stories are ridiculous or not. I will admit that they are ridiculous, but I think 
as someone who's dived into them so much, uh, they're not that ridiculous and outlandish to figure out. Uh, but yeah, definitely, whenever I was introduced to that series uh, by one of my friends, I just was hooked instantly. And I played one, and then I played uh, all the other ones. Like, I had to get all the other ones. Um, and I got, like, I had the uh, the strategy guides for, like, one and two, and I... Did you play Chain of Memories on the Advanced? I did. <laughs> I, I, what you, I, I 100%ed Chain of Memories on the Advanced. I got... Both Riku and Sora one to ninety nine. I'm think I think one is the only one that you can get to hundred and and I got every single card, which is a pain in the ass because drop rates. And yeah, but I've, I've, I've played every version of the game of all the games except for the recent PS4 ones because I haven't picked those up yet. But I've played every original. I played them all on the DS. I've played them all the remakes on the PS3. Or the remake of Chain of Memories on the PS2. I platinumed all the remakes on the PS3, so I'm obsessed with those games and their lore. I fun fact: I had a website dedicated to Kingdom Hearts, <laughs> and going through like pretty much explaining like what everything was. Like there was like a website. It was like a page about Keyblades and where like the Keyblades like what world they were from and like, like explaining it and then like going into like a character page and a villains page. And you made this website. I made this website. I want to say friend. I've known you for like five or six years now and I had no fucking idea about I, that. I honestly yeah I completely forgot about it. I wonder if I could still find it. That'd be interesting for something. Well like. let me know. I'll throw it on the show notes. <laughs> yeah, we'll look it up after we finish recording but yeah it was so that was definitely like my start into lore and getting like really invested into what the games had to offer outside of just playing them um outside of those series i thoroughly enjoy all the zelda games majora's mask being the biggest um i also enjoyed witcher and bloodborne josh got me into those and witcher was just a magical experience and as much as bloodborne makes me want to put my head through a wall i love playing it and i'm my like my second consecutive playthrough of that game currently yeah it's it's that's a game that i will talk about at some point we did and definitely we- uh definitely my second time going through it have paying much more attention to the lore and looking them up so yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun, but the, what we really like in video games is the story. And in video games, a lot of the story is told through cutscenes or dialogue and stuff. But so much of the story is told through subtext and told through other parts. Like our lives can reflect upon the story in that game, which is what today's podcast is about. Yes, we're talking about. Pokemon, another series that I have played since my childhood and played every single one. Uh, not, I haven't played every single Pokemon game ever, but I've played every single like main series game multiple times. Oh, so you haven't played any of the bootleg Pokemon games? No. Yeah. And I'm also like spinoffs. Like I never played the hey, ra- you Pikachu, the Ranger games, <laughs> or the. Uh, I played a couple of the Mystery Dungeons. Mystery Dungeons was fun. Yeah, I was gonna say Mystery Dungeons is actually a lot of fun. Conquest was a-, was a bunch of fun, but yeah, Mystery Dungeon games are great dungeon crawlers. If you uh, ever get the chance, you should definitely play through those because they're they're a lot of fun. With the exception of one of the DS ones that I got 
like an hour into and was like, there's way too much dialogue that I don't give a shit about and stopped playing it. Oh, but, yeah, like, but like the originals, like the red and blue mystery dungeons were uh, really fun. Oh yeah, absolutely. I had a lot of fun with the original. But I haven't played any of the other since. But today we thought we'd talk about Pokemon, a series that is near and dear to both of our hearts. And I'm in the same boat as Nick. I've been playing Pokemon since it was released in the United States. I, I remember it was one of the first games that I actually got for my Game Boy. Which one did you get first? Yellow. Same. I got the yellow uh, Game Boy Color Pokemon with the Pikachu P. No, Pikachu, Jigglypuff, and Togepi on the side. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's like yellow and has a Pokeball where the power light is, and I got Pokemon yellow. For my fifth birthday, I believe, I got a Game Boy. I got Super Mario Brothers Deluxe, which was my intro to Super Mario Brothers, which Deluxe had, like, Yoshi and stuff in it, which was really cool, and I got Pokemon yellow, and those were my first two games, where Mario and Pokemon, and because of that, I've been lifelong fans of those franchises. So... Yeah, Pokemon's near and dear to both of our hearts because we began some of our first gaming experiences with Pokemon. And through the years, I've got I've come in and out of loving Pokemon. Nick, I know, has loved it from the get-go. Like, I haven't played the most recent generation because my 3DS is really old and I haven't bought another one yet, even though I totally have the means to buy another one now. I just haven't felt like it. But I think I'll buy it before I go to Ireland because I'm going to Ireland this summer and I want to play something on the plane. So I think I'm going to buy a new... 3DS and uh, the new Pokemon so that I can play it on the plane, which is normally how I play Pokemon nowadays is on airplanes. So with that being said, we decided that for our first episode, we should talk about Pokemon and more specifically the legendaries and the legends behind the legendaries. Yes. And we're talking legendaries here, not the other subcategories. Yes. Nick, please explain that. So technically there are a lot of legendaries. So we decided for this episode alone, we would break up the list, um, so um, in a way that there's like three subsections. So the one that we're going to talk about today is what I call the primary legendaries. It's not really a technical term, it's just what I call it to make it easier. And it's our podcast, so, so we can do whatever the fuck we want. <laughs> uh, primary legendaries being the legendaries that are part of the story slash on the box art of the game. So this would be Mewtwo, Luya, Ho-Ho, uh, Kyogre, Groudon, Rayquaza, etc., etc. Excluding, like, we're not going to talk about the birds, like Moltres, Zapdos, Articuno, the or dogs. the beasts, Entei, Raikou, yeah. Suicune. That's a separate list. And then a third list would be the mythical, which is um, the event-based Pokemon, usually. So that's like Mew, Celebi, Jirachi, Darkrai, all them. Yeah, so those we won't talk about today. We'll probably talk about those at a later uh, date. So we're talking about the main ones today and a little bit about their background, uh, what they're based off of. Like, a lot of them are based off of uh, real legends from... Our cultural, world. Yeah, from our world, from, like, Japanese culture or Chinese culture or... Nordic culture, apparently! Because that's what we're doing in Pokemon now! <laughs> and uh, a lot of religious stuff, so... We're going to be doing that because we thought it was a really cool topic to talk about. And I think it's a good intro into both us and a bridge kind of between our world and the world that we plan on talking about, which is the video game world in general. Uh, it'll sound really strange at first because this is a little bit of a... We're trying to draw parallels between things that don't exist, so it will uh, might be a little bit weird, but I'm okay with that because I'm sure it'll go great. 
So we should begin at the top with Generation 1. Yes, start at the beginning. And the only Pokemon we have for Generation 1 as far as legendaries are concerned <clears throat> in our list is Mewtwo. So Nick, tell me a little bit about Mewtwo. Mewtwo is one of the few Pokemon that's actually created by science, not uh, a natural thing like most Pokemon uh, came from. Uh, because of this, he doesn't have super, or if any, uh, like, legends he's based off of. Like, I'm not going to say he was based off of, like, some dragon or whatever. It's pretty much scientists made him, but I can I can uh, tell his story. So, uh, basically, a bunch of scientists um, funded by uh, Team Rocket... Um, <laughs> Josh is doing a little Tell dance. me about Team Rocket. No. Uh, Team Rocket, the uh, the villains of the first Pokemon game. Yes. They uh, send a bunch of scientists to um, an island whose name escapes me, and I probably couldn't pronounce it anyways. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're going to realize as this show goes on, we can't pronounce shit. Yeah, there's a lot of... In doing research for this, there's a lot of words that we will probably mispronounced. Just butcher. We're yeah. gonna but butcher words and cultures. So please correct us if you, you think we're saying something wrong. And and I'm 100% down to correct myself to the best of my ability, but I'm gonna tell you up front, we're real bad at talking. Says the people who are making a podcast. Yeah. Uh, so the uh, they went to this island to uh, search for any evidence of the Pokemon Mew, because Mew is be uh, known to be um, be the ancestor of every Pokemon. Which we'll talk about at some point, the Mew Arceus yeah, argument, but... When we get to those, because they're on the same list. Yeah. So, uh, so they ended up finding uh, with a uh, Mew fossil, and they took it back and decided to do uh, experiments on it. They took uh, strands of DNA from it and um, began a cloning process. In the game, they don't really go into why they were cloning because they probably just wanted to clone. In the anime, they did a there's a movie before the usually what's called the first Pokemon movie, which is the one where you know Ash turns to stone and because of Mewtwo and Mew fighting. But there's actually like a shorter one before that that deals with uh, Mewtwo like growing up to yeah. say to say the. Wasn't it only originally released in Japan? It was a, a video of Mewtwo and, like, other clones. Yeah, so what they did was um, one of the scientists that helped wanted to help Team Rocket uh, achieve this cloning thing so he could recreate his dead daughter. Um, so they were, in the movie, they were cloning his daughter, Mewtwo, a clone of Ch and the three starters, Charmander, Bulbasaur, and Squirtle. And they all communicated with each other while they were in their hibernation pods. And in the end, Mewtwo was the only one to survive the cloning process. All the other ones died and were considered failed attempts. Uh, but Mewtwo survived. And they uh, did multiple tests and messed with his genes and stuff. And all that became made him very vicious and... Uh, the word I'm looking for cold yeah cold-hearted towards uh towards man and uh, multiple dex entries uh when i say dex entries i mean pokedex entries um and throughout the games 
mention how he has no heart. So that's from the uh, the many experiments that were done on him, making him sour towards the world. So while there's no real world parallel between Mewtwo and some sort of legend that we have in our world, there is parallels between Mewtwo and the atrocities done to him in the name of science. We deal with that a lot throughout history. We see things like uh, the Men Behind the Sun, Group 9 something something that happened in Japan that did human experiments. And the coldness behind what science can do if in the hands of the amoral. Which I think Mewtwo... It shows that, and I mean, this game is Japanese-made, so that group and the atrocities that were done have influenced that culture. So they might realize that science can be cold and the importance in not having it cold. Because if I remember correctly, at least in the anime, and I'm talking anime here, I know we talk about video games, that's our thing, but I'm going to talk about the anime real quick. Well, he does I become less cold-hearted. Yeah, he he becomes more okay. He co becomes friends with Ash. He realizes things, and there's that quote that the Pope loved. But uh, yeah. he he becomes less of that, and I think that that's the important real world parallel we can draw between Mewtwo and us. Is he is the result of cold hearted, amoral science, and that it can still everything needs love. Which I think is less drawing parallel between legends and more drawing parallels between the Earth, but still at the same day, at the same time, that's what we're talking about today. So I thought I'd make sure that we drew some parallel between them, although he doesn't have some. Like our next Pokemon, Lugia, Lugia and Ho Ho, which, by the way, probably one of my favorite generations to play through. Oh, absolutely, Crystal is one of my favorite because Crystal, Crystal is the kind of. The bridge between silver and gold and, and crystal is one of my favorite pokemon games that generation is incredible because not only do you get to play through the new region you get to play through the old region yeah you 16 badges 16 badges which is just so much fun those games like i remember the first time finding that finding that new region and go and like losing my mind because i'm like holy shit i've done this before i've been here and being able to play through that and see all those older pokemon get the original starters all that kind of fun so, yeah, I distinctly remember loving this generation, I think more so than any other. I did like the Ruby Sapphire generation, Generation 3, a lot, but Crystal will, Crystal will always have a special place in my heart. So, Nick, let's talk about Lugia, huh? Lugia is a psychic flying Pokemon, mostly related to the Silver game. He is known as the diving Pokemon, and he's the master of the legendary birds. Legendary birds being Moltres, Articuno, and Zapdos. What do you mean by master, by the way? I, I'd read that. Well, we have show notes. We share notes because we have to do research on all of this or else, God, we just be coming off with all this off the top of our head, and while we're both not dumb, I don't think either of us could just come up with this bullshit off the top of our head. So, what do you mean by God? I don't... I've never understood that, because I actually have never seen Pokemon the movie 2000, so I don't actually know what happens in that movie, but I know the birds were in it. I remember seeing the trailers and being hyped for it. I just remember never seeing it. Um, I... Matt... I think Master... I'm not 100% on how to uh, go about this, but I think Master being, like, they they look up to him. Like, he's kind of, like, a leader figure in, in a sorts, um, because he he's the master of the birds, Ho-Ho, and Contrary is the master of the beasts. 
Um, that uh, I feel is fitting because in the story of the tower burning, oh, uh, I love that story, which I'll get into uh, as we go on. Is um, Ho Ho made the three beasts from the tower burning because three creatures died in that right. tower burning, and they were made from the uh, the three elements of them are associated with the fire. So I forget. It's like. Th- Entei's the fire that burned it down. Suicu's the rain that stopped the fire. And I forget why Riku's electric. Probably the lightning that started the fire. Probably. I would if I were to if I were to make an educated guess. Riku represents the the lightning that started the fire. So that might be it. And I was just wondering because I did know that about Ho Ho, <coughs> and I I was just curious if. Because there's parallel in a story behind that. I didn't know if there was one for Lugia and the birds. It's totally okay if there isn't or if we don't know it. If there is, please send us a note. Please correct us. I'm okay talking about it on, an, on another episode. So we'll definitely look into that. But I didn't know if you knew it off the top of your head because I sure as hell didn't. I didn't, but okay. I usually know that he's very associated with yes, the birds. Yes, because I remember Pokemon the Movie 2000. And I remember because they wanted to like pair those off. It's so like Lugia got the birds, Ho got the beasts. Yeah. Which, it always kills me that Lugia is considered a bird because looks so much like a fucking whale and lives at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, he's also like very dinosaur-ish. Yeah. Like very prehistoric. But has a beak. Like, but has a beak. But I mean, dinosaur, a lot of dinosaurs had beaks. Um, but like, <laughs> Next you're going to tell me they had feathers, fucking loser. <laughs> I saw Jurassic Park. I know what they look like. <laughs> So, first on the butchering of names, he was based off of Ryujin, which Which is, I actually think it nailed, by the way. I think that's pretty close. I think that's probably one of the easier ones that we're going to have to say. Um, who is the deity of the sea in Japanese mythology. He's often referred as the luminous being, and he's a, a dragon symbolized that symbolized the power of the ocean and could turn into a human. Now, obviously, Lugia can't turn into a human. Well, I was going to ask that. Is there... Because I know that there's some Pokemon that can kind of fake that. Yes, but the, I don't know of any accounts of Lugia turning into a human. Okay, because I, I didn't know of any. Yeah. I was just curious if, like, maybe, like, there was some deep shit that I missed in one of these Pokemon generations. I, know. I never played Heart Gold and Soul Silver, so I don't know if Lugia's running around as a man in that. No. Uh, I guess, like, the stretch I could makes that is that Lugia is one of the few Pokemon that can directly communicate. Uh, He communicates telepathically because he's a psychic type. Um, Which I thought was weird because, you know, he's associated with the ocean a lot, but he's a psychic type. And this this dragon that he's based off of is uh, of the ocean, but Lugia is known to be associated with the ocean because he, like, usually dwells underwater. Um, and he's also, like, known to create storms on the ocean and stuff like that. Yeah, if I remember correctly, there's a Pokedex entry where, like, every time Lugia flaps its wings, storms are created. Yes. Which makes flying really fucking hard for Lugia, I'm sure. Yeah, there's a lot of Dex entries of him, uh, being related to storms, which is interesting because, uh, the dragon Ryujin is said to have, uh, these magical tide jewels that are known to allow him to um, control the tides. And so 
if you, obviously if you make a big storm, that's going to mess with the tides a lot. So there's a slight connection there. One connection that I thought was really interesting, and I'm hoping it's not just a coincidence, but it's speculation, is that uh, the dragon is known to live in a palace under the sea, which also ties to Lugia living under the sea, and that his palace was made of red and white coral, and interestingly enough, Lugia's shiny uh, color palette is red and white. That is strange. I didn't. I didn't actually know that. That's really cool. I don't know if that's a coincidence or not, but I'm gonna make it canon right now. <laughs> I mean, Nintendo, Nintendo, hire me. I'm making this canon. This is fucking happening. Yeah, it's definitely fun to like think about that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you want to tackle Hello or do you want me to? Because you've been you've been doing a lot of just lore talk. I know that I know a lot about the some of the later ones because I did a lot of the research for those, but. Um, I'll finish off ho -Oh. Okay, cool. So, ho -Oh is, uh, known as the Guardian of the Skies. Like I said, he's the master of the legendary beasts. Uh, he, numerous text entries mention that his body glows in the seven colors of the rainbow, and that a rainbow forms behind him when he flies. It also, uh... Multiple entries mention that he appears before pure-hearted trainers, and anyone who sees it is promised eternal happiness. And that's why, like, at the beginning of the anime, at the end of the first episode, there is a ho -Oh, which I'm calling fucking bullshit, that that wasn't originally some stupid thing that they decided to make up. I kind of want to go on a tangent real quick. Yeah, whatever. Have it's you our podcast. <laughs> have you seen anything about them remaking the first, like, episode as a movie? No, no, are they? Yeah, they're remaking the first episode as a movie. My issue with it is they're adding Gen 7 Pokemon to it. So, like, Ash... F so, like, there's a lot of scenes of, like, Ash picking Pikachu and Ash with, like, the iconic scene of him standing in front of Pikachu with his arms to the side yelling at the Spearow. Yeah. And stuff like that, and Ash carrying, like, the almost unconscious Pikachu. But then there's, like, him fighting, like one of the starters of Gen 7 with Pikachu, and, like, it, they're introducing the new mythical Pokemon, uh, Marshado, or something like that. I forget how to say it, because I've only seen it a couple times. But, like, that's in the the movie. And I'm just, like, I get, like, remaking it, maybe, to like, for, like, a newer, for, like, a younger audience, whatever, and just, like, saying, like, here's this again, and, like, Ho-Ho looks like, way better than he did in the original, because the original, it was just, like, real quick and, like, not very detailed. But, like, he's super detailed and probably is in it more yeah. than that quick shot. But, like... Like, I... It goes between, like... Like, the Gen 7, like, is all Pokemon around at the same time? It, it just feels weird to me. I don't know. Yeah, it, it feels almost unnatural. I mean, it's the same way I felt with uh, the killing joke on DVD. In case you didn't know, if you don't know us, I Nick and I are both, both also both really into comic books, and the, the killing joke they did on DVD added a love story between Batman and Batgirl, which just seems unnecessary for the killing joke. But, regardless... Let's move back to Pokemon, huh? Yeah, I just that would just yeah. made me think of that because we were yeah. talking about the first episode. I get but, it, I get it, because I'd feel the same way. I, I feel the same way. I'm yeah. not sure about it. Tangent aside, back to Ho Ho and what he's based off of. Uh, he's based off of a mythological bird from East Asia known as Feng Hong. Feng Hong. And again, I could be butchering that completely, but that's what I'm going to go with. Uh, it's off more associated with what we call a phoenix and so it's the, the that's the european parallel yes okay uh it's usually represented 
uh, having a bunch of colors, mainly black, white, red, green, and yellow. Uh, and each of those colors are supposedly uh, to represent Confucius's five virtues, which could be tied to ho appearing before trainers of pure heart. So, virtue, pure heart, I can see how the parallel could be made. Yeah. Um, he symbolizes high virtue and grace, again, the pure heart thing, and there's a text uh, called Shanghai Qing, again, could be completely butchering that, that records each body part is a symbolize of a word, head with virtue, wing with duty, back with proprietary, uh, abdomen, 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 with credibility, and chest with mercy, again, more ties to the uh, pure-heartedness of it. Um, what I thought was really interesting is when I was researching uh, this this bird, it was often seen a lot of times in a lot of symbols, like a bunch of Chinese uh, symbols and emperors would use them, but it was often really uh, seen with paired with a dragon. And we just talked about how Lugia was based off a dragon. So I thought that was really interesting. So it would make sense for them to kind of have that dichotomy going on. The, the bird and the dragon mirroring the actual culture in Pokemon. I think I fucked that up, but I'm keeping it. I'm just how I'm saying it now. So yeah, I, I think that that's really fascinating. Uh, in a lot of traditions, this bird um, is said to appear in good times and often... Uh, like hide in, in times of hardship and badness good word there but <laughs> we're gonna move on with that we just make them up we make them up as we go we're shakespeare we're shakespeare we write this shit and uh it's regarded as a good omen again ties to ho uh bringing happiness to uh trainers and people who uh are in its presence uh, this was like the nail on the coffin for me. Yeah, I, I saw this in the notes and I was like, what the fuck? Like, I, I was just talking to Nick yesterday and I was like, what the fuck is this? It's like, I didn't know any of this. So, so please inform me. So there's, uh, in more, I think it was in more modern, uh, descriptions of, uh, this bird. Cause I don't want to keep saying its name. So I'm just going to keep referring to it as bird. Uh, as the real ho-ho. Yeah. <laughs> um, when... So, like I said, it appears on a lot of symbols, so it appears on a lot of art, vases, what have you. Oh, you said vases like a historian. That's oh. cute. On the side of buildings and whatnot. Um, so, when describing certain works of art that is based off of uh, English-speaking art historians, often refer to them as ho-ho birds, a name derived from ho-o, spelled H-O. Dash O, which is Japanese for which is the Japanese pronunciation of Fang Huang. So, so it's literally, so literally slap an H at the end of that. Oh, and you so got cool. Ho. So cool. Um, so I'm gonna get into a little more parallels of Lugia and Ho Ho and uh, Japanese uh, tradition, not my traditions, mythology, legends, real life accounts that parallel these two. So in Japan, and I'm going to butcher the hell out of these names, there are two Buddhist temples named Jing Kakujin and King Kakujin. Again, just butcher- call them GJ and KJ, because <laughs> that is going to make our lives a lot easier. So GJ is 
known as the Temple of the Silver Pavilion and has a statue of a silver bird on top of it. And King Jay is known as the Temple of the Golden Pavilion and has a statue of the Bronze Phoenix on top of it. Now, if that doesn't scream Lugia and Ho-Ho, I don't know what does. And the two towers are two towers in a city in Johto, uh, in uh, Eureka Tech City, the Bell Tower and the Brass Tower. Now, if you're saying, hey, there's no way this could get <laughs> even more connected. I will prove you wrong. Uh, one of the towers, the Caging Tower, I believe, uh, burned down by a monk and then was later rebuilt. Well, guess what? The Brass Tower was burned in uh, Pokemon Silver and became the Burn Tower. So, the Brass Tower is where Lugia used to rest, and the Bell Tower is where Ho used to rest. And when the Brass Tower burned down, Lugia fled to uh, the Whirlpool Islands, where he resides, and Ho Ho just fled in general, and just travels. Ho oh, doesn't like being alone, I get it. Yeah. Me neither. So I thought that was a really interesting... Oh, yeah, that's fascinating. Parallel. That is absolutely... Like, there's no way that that didn't influence the creators. Oh, it absolutely That's did. so cool to me. I love when that stuff happens. Uh, and with that, we're going to hop, we'll hop over to Generation 3. We're going to be doing with Kyogre. Now, this is some, This is what Nick and I both did. We, we did some, shared some, did whatever. Fuck it. We do whatever. So I'm going to begin with Kyogre, who, if you've played any of the Ruby, Sapphire, Emerald games, it's pretty obvious what Kyogre's supposed to represent, which is the Hydrosphere. He's the ocean. He's the what is representative of the ocean. So he's the creator of the sea. And in Pokemon lore, that is what he is. But he does have a real-world parallel, which is the Leviathan. Now, in the Bible, which is what we're talking about, there's a creature that is mentioned in the Bible named the Leviathan and Job 4, 41 1 through 34 it's all about the Leviathan and it says behold the hope of him is in vain shall not one be cast down even at the sight of him and then he's mentioned again in Psalm 74 saying break the heads of Leviathan in pieces before giving him flesh to the people of the wilderness and he's mentioned again in 104 saying God is praised for having made all things including the Leviathan and in Isaiah 27.1, he's called the Torturous Serpent. Now, I know this doesn't directly show the Leviathan because Kyogre's not necessarily evil. He's kind of amoral. He just wants the world to be water because that's what he's good at. But the Leviathan is known as a massive sea creature created by God, but still a, a monster because God created all things and God could even create this massive sea creature. So he's he's viewed as the real world parallel to him would be the Leviathan, which is kind of in contradiction to what Groudon is, which is the creator of the lithosphere. He created the ground. Ground on ground. He's on ground. Ground on! On ground! So he created the earth that we know it, and if you've played Ruby Sapphire or the remakes Alpha and Omega, like you, that's very obvious that he was the one who created the ground. But he has a biblical parallel as well, which is the behemoth. In the Bible, it says, Behold now, behemoth, which I made with thee. He eateth grass as an ox. Lo, now his strength is in his loins. Just like me. 
<laughs> and his forces in the navel of his belly. He moveth his tail like a cedar. The sinews of his stones are wrapped together. His bones are as strong pieces of brass. His bones are like bars of iron. He is the chief of the ways of God. He that made him can make his sword to approach unto him. Surely the mountains bring him forth food where all the beasts of the field play. And it goes on talking about how this monster is obviously connected to the earth, which is an exact parallel to the Leviathan, which in his subtext, its subtext, is a connection to the water. So it's in my belief that Groudon and Kyogre are the behemoth and the leviathan now getting away from hebrew and biblical culture we can talk about rayquaza who is the dragon flying pokemon and kind of the atmosphere of this game see what i did there because <laughs> he represents the atmosphere ah! buzzing so he represents the atmosphere uh the which is kind of the the separation between the earth and the water the air is what separates that um, it's said that he represents in the ozone layer in the Pokedex. Now, when Nick and I were doing research, we had a couple different thoughts on Rayquaza's real-world parallels. So I have two here. One of them was just something that I had thought when I'd first seen Rayquaza, and the other one's one that we found through research, so we're going to talk about both of them. Nick, you can open up talking about Ziz, <clears throat> which I'm pretty sure was a character in Kingdom Hearts, right, Ziz? That's... <laughs> <laughs> That's Diz. <laughs> Which stands for Darkness and Zero. I know. Oh. I've played the game too. Hey, man, I didn't know. <laughs> Maybe they didn't know. So tell me about Ziz, Nick. Ziz is uh, known to be the messenger of God in some stories. And this kind of parallels how... Um, Rayquaza is shown in some of the games, especially, I believe, Emerald, to uh, come down from the clouds in a beam of light to quell uh, Groudon and Kyogre's fighting, as, as to say he was sent by God to stop these monsters from destroying the world. Um, so that that's why I thought uh, he... He paralleled that really nicely. And in my research and stuff, I thought he was... I, and I'd always thought this. I always thought Rayquaza was based on Quetzalcoatl. <laughs> Bruins game. Um, potentially based on Quetzalcoatl, which is the feathered serpent in Mayan culture. Because even by appearance, he looks like Quetzalcoatl, which is a giant feathered serpent that supposedly created the boundary between the earth and the sky. So he was literally translated in the Boundary Maker. So he was known as that and separated those two. And if you want to get even more specific, he's Quetzalcoatl is considered one of the creation gods in Mayan culture. So he in in Pokemon Quetz, uh, not Quetzalcoatl in Pokemon Rayquaza is considered one of the creation gods because he stopped the war between Kyogre and Groudon from escalating and destroying the planet so i always thought it was that but i i hadn't heard any of this uh ziz stuff before well which is really cool why i thought it was ziz is because it, ziz is usually uh mentioned as a giant bird and obviously requests a dragon but yeah. we we thought we said that leo uh lugia was a 
based off a of dragon. He's he's smart. a bird like. Yeah, that's so, just what Pokemon does. So you can make stretches, but uh, Ziz is usually um, mentioned with the Behemoth and the Leviathan. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so like, if you just like search like Ziz or Leviathan or Behemoth, there's usually you usually get an image of the three of them. Oh, cool! I had no idea. So. Since the three of those yeah. Pokemon are usually are sort of associated together, that's why I thought Ziz fit well. And no, absolutely, it fit well with like the other things I mentioned. No, so. I, I do think that I, I do think that yours is really cool because I had never heard that one either. Yeah, I, th- I actually think that Rayquaza probably borrows parallels from multiple things because of how both of those fit so well into the story. Or there was just some real giant serpent that encircled the Earth. If you want to talk about Nordic culture, they believe that too. So. Serpents everywhere, flying around. It's just how how the world used to be. Just freaking everywhere, man. So, hopping up on this next one, Generation 4, we're going to jump right into that headstrong, considering we've been recording for 36 minutes already. Uh, we're going to hop into Dialga, the steel dragon type known as the temporal Pokemon. So, there was a there's a legend in... He's one of the creation trio. Which is why this legend's gonna matter. The creation trio would be Dialga, Palkia, and Giratina. Giratina, Giratina. Uh, I think it's. It, I don't give a fuck. I think it's Giratina. I can't pronounce anything. It's like it's like Arceus and Arceus, but Arceus, I believe, is like the actual pronunciation. I think Arceus is the correct pronunciation. It is because I'm pretty sure they say that in uh, in like the anime. They think they say it Arceus. But there's no way I'm going to say Arceus because before there was that he was even in the anime when I was like using action replay to fucking hack Arceus into my game. Like, no one knew what the fuck this giant deer god was. It's like, I used to always call him Arceus, but I think the th- thing that switched me to saying Arceus was um, the whole type null thing in Silvali and how his Silvali's uh, ability is called RKS system, and he's supposed to be like... Oh, I remember you sending me that! I lost my fucking mind! He's supposed to be like a parallel of, or like a... Yeah, like a parallel to Arce- uh, Arceus. The, the digital so, Arceus. Yeah, so if you literally say RKS system, it sounds like Arceus because his ability is if you give him a certain... Uh, I think it's a. I think they're drives. I don't know. I haven't played. Yeah, I think they're drives. You. He changes his. Uh, his his typing. typing. Just like Arceus. 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 See, I'm just used to saying Arceus, but it's. But anyway. Ar- anyway. Besides the point, we have. The, the the creation trio and that's why this will matter so Di- dialogue along with palkia they think it is based on the shinto legend of izanami and izanagi which are supposed to be the ones who created who the islands of japan with their spears and put pillars on each one and because of that it it makes sense kind of lore wise and pokemon that that would happen because you find them all on the top of giant pillars, right? Yeah. So, should I get, should I like go s- super into the story? Because you can. it's it's it's. I guess I didn't go super into it because I thought it was more Arceus, but I guess they're Arceus. They go hand in hand. Yeah. So, so go a little bit. You don't go super super into it, but go a little bit. So into it to- basically, those the the two beings that you just mentioned were created from one being who, um, like started out like. I think the legend said that it was like the first being or whatever, which parallels Arceus. And Arceus came into being, is said to be the creator of all Pokemon in the world. And the first thing he did was make Dialga and Palkia masters of time and space. And that parallels the two uh, the two deities that, that you mentioned. 
And in the center of the Sinnoh region is Spear Pillar, which parallels the pillar that was in the center of the island created by these two uh, deities with a spear. And you find Dialga, Palkia, Giratina, and Arceus at the top of uh, Spear, Pill Spear Pillar, depending on like what game and what yeah. event and through hacking, because Arceus. Um, <laughs> So that's what the that's the parallel to that story. And so can... and and that makes perfect sense to me when you look at it. When you look at Dialga and Palkia, they they definitely there's no way that that wasn't part of it because this these are the creators. Like while Groudon and Kyogre might may have created the world, it was Palkia, Dialga, Arceus, and Giratina that created everything before that. So, like, we keep stepping back in creation. We have man-creating mm. with Mewtwo. Then we step back with Ho-Oh and all them cre with uh, creating the birds and the dogs. Then we step back again with the creation of the Earth. Then we step back again with the creation of the universe. Then we step back again. I don't know what the fuck happens in black and white because I never fucking played them. So next year, really? You never played them. That's upsetting. Those are, like... I, everyone says what, those are like one of my favorite games. Everyone says those are some of the best ones, but I was I've never especially because they have like sequels and like direct sequels. Never played them instead of like. I was hoping they'd be a gray. That's why I never played them. Yeah, well, it's like we got black and white too instead of gray, and I I kind of like that like the story like continuing. I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, if you got a copy, I'd love to play it. <laughs> but um. To, to, to bounce off that, Dialga and Palkia are very much based on dinosaurs that have existed. Uh, and then we have Giratina, or Giratina, the renegade Pokemon. They, From what I could tell from my research, Giratina may be based on something entirely unrelated to that, which is uh, Seta, a giant centipede from a Japanese fairy tale known as My Lord Bag of Rice, which supposedly preyed on dragon hatchlings. It was as large as a mountain. But, and he's very serpent-based and very insect-based. I think it just doesn't make much sense outside of that fairy tale, and they wanted to connect it to everything else, and they needed something to create antimatter, because he is the antimatter Pokemon. So, and they wanted to get real spacey in this one, obviously, and create, like, an alternate world. I they think get, that's just kind of what they wanted to do. Well, I mean, like, the, uh, the enemy team is, like, Team Galactic, and they're super, yeah. like... Space. The real spacey. The real spacey. So I think they needed someone. Spacey. I think they needed a Pokemon for antimatter that would fit into this. And while it's based on their real world legend, it, I think that they needed to create that for this one. So while Giratina, I think, has a real world parallel in, the, in that fairy tale, My Lord Bag of Rice, I think that he also may have been the closest to an original creation we get outside of Mewtwo. I think that he just doesn't drop those parallels outside of that. Which is okay, because fucking, this is the same game that created an electric mouse. So, if they want to create their own shit, they can. They're creating their own lore and legends. I just don't couldn't find where Garatina could fit just right. Which is okay. Yeah. I just couldn't find a, a well place for him to fit. Now, tell me about the shit I don't know. <laughs> Alright, we're gonna hop over to Gen 5. Tell me about Gen 5, and because I don't know dicks about this gen. I don't even know what Pokemon were Gen 5 and Gen 6. I'm not fucking around. I know nothing about Gen 5. You need to play Gen 5. <laughs> I know, I know. I will, I will. I have no problem doing that. I need to play Gen 7, too, but... That's true. I enjoy Gen 7 as well. Um, So, for Gen 5, I'm gonna... They had a super 
backstory of their own within the game whereas like i feel like outside of like maybe the last gen that we just did gen 4 most of them didn't really have a super detailed in-game backstory yeah so tell me the backstory so the backstory of these three pokemon reshram zekrom and kiram is that once upon a time they were all one dragon and they were used by twin heroes. Uh, they were brothers, an older brother and a younger brother. And it was used to help create the Unova region. However, the brothers had different views on life. One wanted to seek uh, the truth more, and one wanted to seek ideals more. And this led to them fighting over who was right. Uh, due to this fighting, the dragon split in two, one siding with each brother. Reshram siding with the uh, brother who wanted the truth, and Zekrom uh, siding with the one who wanted ideals. Uh, the two brothers used the dragons to fight each other until they realized that the dragons were evenly matched, and that there was no clear winner. So they stopped fighting and like went about their ways. And uh, I think later on, the sons of those brothers picked the fight back up and like almost destroyed the region and then uh, had to stop. I hate when that happens, yeah. when my kids try to destroy entire regions with yeah. dragons. It really just puts a damper on my you day. You just try to raise good kids these days and they just go blow up continents. With dragons? With dragons. I don't even know how they got my fucking dragons. So God. the dragons ended up turning into, uh, reverting into stones, the white stone and the black stone for Reshram and Kiram respectively and stayed that way until the events of the game. So, um, Kiram's backstory is said that he fell from the sky in a meteor and crashed into a giant chasm where he resides and where you find him in the game. Uh, but it is further believed that the meteor is similar to the stones that Reshram and Zekrom were turned into, and that's because that Kiram is said to be the leftover shell that... Uh, was created when the dragon split. So the dragon split into Reshram and Zekrom, and the leftover husk, if you will, uh, turned into uh, Kiram. Now, Reshram and Zekrom and Kiram are based off of Yin Yang and Wuji. Uh, Reshram being Yang, Zekrom being Yin, and Kiram being Wuji. Yang is usually associated with the color white and the sun which parallels Reshram being a white dragon and a fire type. And uh, Reshram, as I said before, is seeking those who seek the truth or want to build a world of truth. Zekrom represents Yin, associated with the color black. And I... Zekrom is a dragon electric type, and I really couldn't he's, he's figure... pretty triggered about this. Yeah, <laughs> so... Like I said, that... Yang is associated with the sun and Reshram's fire, but Yin is usually associated with the moon, and moon is usually associated with water, so why the hell isn't Zekrom water type? He was he was telling me all about this earlier, and he was pretty fucking mad. So, he... It's... I don't know. I can't think of a good reason. If you know, please let me know, because I, I feel like that would make more sense than electric. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um... So, Dex entries uh, talk about how Zekrom seeking those who want ideals or want to build the ideal world. Kiram represents Wuji, which is usually nothing or limit. I think it's defined as limitless, 
um, but it the word is a compound of Wu and G, and Wu means nothing. So it's l- unlimited nothing. It's like nothing, and I think G is like a giant pillar or like a giant pole. So that's what the like the limitless yeah. like a limitless pole. Limitless pole, and that kind of mirrors Kiram as he's supposed to be like an empty husk, and. I actually think, limitless I actually, nothing. I actually think like his typing kind of makes sense because it's ice, so it's like kind of cold, kind of like nothing. Yeah, absolutely. In uh, his dex entries, state how it waits for a hero to fill in the missing body parts with its truth and ideals, and that furthers that being like the leftover of the dragon because it needs to fill the truth and ideals being need to fill itself with Reshram and Zekrom. Which is further illustrated in the game in Black and White 2 when you confuse Reshram or Kiram with uh, Reshram or Zekrom with Kiram to make Black or White uh, Kiram. Yeah. And I really wa- wanted them to go further with that whole fusion thing. Yeah, that sounds but so cool. But that was cool. literally it. It was literally you confuse Kiram with Reshram or Zekrom and that's it. And yeah. then we went mega instead, but... That's a That's discussion fine. for another day. I look. I'm just glad we got like a low end region changes. To I evolutions. thought that was fantastic. That's my favorite thing in in like concepts is uh, different versions of different Pokemon based on region because that's how the real world works. But with that, we're gonna. S- Jump over to Generation 6, where we're going to begin with Xerneas. I lost my fucking mind doing this research. Yeah, so I <laughs> didn't know much about... I don't know much about them, but I knew pretty much what they were based off of, but Josh had no I idea. I had no fucking clue, and I, so if you don't know me, I, in college, majored in history with a concentration in museum studies. Uh, Nick, my friend over here, is an electrical engineer major in a master's program, because he's fucking smarter than I am. So, with this, my speciality when I was doing history was ancient to medieval, and that's where this comes in. Specifically European, in both eras. So, with that, we need to talk about these guys because they are some of my favorite shit. So we got Xerneas, the life Pokemon. He was part of the Aura, Aura Trio and his parents is based on a potentially extinct version of a deer, which is fine. And his antlers look like an axe because Xerneas and Pokemon X. This is where I lost my fucking mind. Did you know he was based on Norse mythology? Because I didn't. Yeah, I did. So what I found was Xerneas may have been based on, on Eichnir and the four stags Danyan, Javalin, Junior, and Durabor. I probably pronounced one of those right. I mean, but we're going to keep going. They sounded convincing. I said it with confidence, and yeah. that's what matters. So Eichnir... Uh, is supposed to live in Valhalla and eat the foliage of Leodor and the glowing horns that dri- and he has glowing horns that drip with dew and according to the poetic Edda the four stags reside in the trunk of the world tree Yggdrasil and ate its branches and fresh fresh roots so this deer is supposed to be a, a life Pokemon that literally feeds off of life because Yggdrasil is known as the world tree <laughs> giant tree that all the different realms are on so you have um, 
the Earth, and you have the, the world of the dragons, and the world of the dark elves, and the world of the ice giants. They all are branches of this tree. Yggdrasil, the world tree. So it, it literally feeds off of life, but not in a vampiric kind of way, in kind of a symbiotic kind of way, which I think is really fucking cool. Yeah, like Xerneas is also is always associated with like life. Like yeah, it's, it's always it's always it's seen in like yeah, it's it's a fairy type. It's always seen in like meadows and like very lush forests. Yeah. Uh, I got a weird question. Yeah, what's up? How do I pronounce this next Pokemon? Yveltal. Yveltal. By the way, how and I don't know why. Uh, Yveltal. I, I don't. I'm, I hear like Yveltal and Eveltal. I'm calling it Yveltal. Here's why. <laughs> It's super Nordic in name, and I don't know why I didn't realize this wasn't all based in <laughs> fucking North mythology, because that is a really, really Nordic name. I've, I've done research into their poetry, I've done research into all this shit, I'm just bad at pronouncing things. I don't know why I didn't fucking realize this, but we're gonna keep moving on. Yveltal, the dark flying destruction Pokemon. Sounds like a fun time at parties. So Yveltal's appearance is based on an avian-shaped Y, whatever. They think he was based on a couple figures in mythology and a lot of death goddesses. So you have Morrigan, which often takes on the form of a Raiden. They have Norse mythology figures like Hevelger that takes on the form of an eagle and sits on the end of the world, which is super parallel to Xerneas, who is there for the... when it is there, when it's alive. So you have this bird god that I'm not going to try to pronounce the name of again, that sits at the end of the world, which I think is really cool. And you have the hawk Vel... Uh, Vel... Vrlnavr? Uh, or the unnamed eagle that resides at the top of the world tree, which I think would also really fit in with the bottom and the top, because the Xerneas parallel is supposed to feed on the roots, and this Pokemon is supposed to sit at the top of the tree and view it from there. I think that's also really cool. But what fucking got my rocks going was Zygarde. So Zygarde is the Dragon Ground Order Pokemon. Now, if you know anything about Zygarde, he's got different forms because he's almost like a, a weird creation, kind of creation, you know what he's I mean? He's like protector of nature, of like the earth, and he changes forms um, to... To associate with like the how, like the threat level, so like if he, if it's like super low threat, he'll he'll have like a lower percent, right? Because like you can have two like ten percent at the same time, uh, but if it's like super high, he'll go like a hundred percent perfect cell on your ass and save the save the the planet. So people think, from my research, people think that Zygarde's first couple forms. His 10, 50% incomplete forms are inspired by the three children of Loki and Angrabah, uh, Fenrir, Jormungandr, and Hel. H-E-L. So Zygarde's 10% form, they think, is based on Fenrir because his 10% form is a dog, essentially, and Fenrir's the accidental wolf son of Loki. He's got this bad habit of eating off Norse god hands, and he's kind of a shithead. He ends <laughs> up being the thing that kills I believe that Fenrir kills Thor. So in in Ragnarok, which is the Nordic apocalypse, the the death of the gods is what I think it actually translates yeah, into. I think so. 
Loki uh, or Fenrir gets unleashed and he ends up giant wolf god ends up fighting Thor Thor kills Fenrir and then walks three steps and dies it's either that or he ends up fighting the world serpent that surrounds the earth but let's keep moving um this form could also draw inspiration from uh Gramria the guard the watchdog that guards Helheim's gate so it could be based on the the watchdogs and stuff and obviously in appearance it looks like a Doberman that's a little bit less Fenrir looking but Zagar's <laughs> so 50% form oh it's based on the serpent in the shape of the letter Z it may also draw inspiration from uh Jormundir a sea serpent that encircles the earth which was the other god I was talking about that could potentially kill Thor one of them kills Odin too like either the serpent I think the serpent might be the reason that Odin gets killed which is really fucking cool it eats Odin yeah imagine badass. imagine the thing that encircles the earth and creates the earth eating the creator of the earth yeah like that's that's some fucking deep shit and I love it uh and Neogare which I that doesn't sound like I think it sounds like I <laughs> Black Lives Matter but um it's a dragon that knows the roots of Yggdrasil the world tree which would parallel Xerneas um, Zygarde's complete form might be based on Hel, the ruler of Helheim, which is the realm of the, of the dead in Nordic mythology. And I know what you're thinking, but what about Valhalla? You only get into Valhalla if you die while in battle. So Valhalla is where warriors go to die. But Helheim is where you go if you just die. So the only way into Nordic heaven is to die in battle, hence such a battle-based culture, which I think is really cool. So the colors of the complete form's chest match the colors of the real world flag of France, which means fucking nothing, but in appearance it can look like hell or hill or however you want to pronounce it, which is the what the ruler of Helheim is. It's Loki's daughter, which Loki, they think, is the chick from the Thor Ragnarok trailer who catches Thor's hammer. Mm. They think that might be hell. Ooh, which, down. Would be, which would be and they, they think that like in the Marvel Comics thing it's not related she's actually not going to be Loki's daughter but they think that she might be the ruler of the dead which I think is really cool and with my Nordgasm out of the way let's talk about Generation 7 uh, so I don't know a lot about Generation 7 I know everything I know because of research because I've never played these fucking games but from what I could see, there's Solgaleo, the Psychic Steel Pokemon, or the Sune Pokemon, whatever the fuck that means, because when I was looking it up, it, they, they had Sune and Mune Pokemon. Why not just Sun and Moon? Yeah. Fucking cocksucker. Anyway. <laughs> have to be difficult. Sounds fancier, Josh. Obviously based on a line with the sun motif, fairly common motif in a billion cultures. The reason that I thought Solgaleo was really cool was they think that or by they I mean the research that I had thinks that it might be a reference to the alchemical lion uh, and the alchemy has symbols and the symbols have names so they think the name of the alchemical lion is known as the devouring sun because alchemy is fucking badass <laughs> I want to get an alchemical symbol as a tattoo total tangent I want to get an alchemical symbol as a tattoo that's known as the perfect sulfur What's it look like? Uh, it looks like a campfire, but it's got symbology and arrows on it. Um, search the uh, search. Uh, what is it? The sulfur of the red king. You'll get the symbol, which also is the other name of that. Isn't that fucking cool? They have the perfect sulfur or the sulfur of the red king. 
Yeah, that's interesting. But and also I couldn't find a symbol for the um for the white queen, which is the opposite of the the red king. And they end up creating a, a sun together in in alchemy. But like it's more it's not like a legend in alchemy, it's more the representation of these things. So like you mix the sulfur with the whatever the queen represents and it creates something new. So it's they don't I literally like people who practiced alchemy didn't literally believe in a red sun, a white queen creating something. It's just more symbology. Mm-hmm. But I like esoteric stuff. So that's that's what got me really involved in alchemical knowledge. But alchemy people go hard or go home, so they think that Sogalio may be based on the devouring sun. Uh, which would connect it to it being a steel type because alchemy deals a lot with transference of materials so steel would be one of those materials and the other thing i found was being the emissary rather than personification of the sun as well as being able to pass through different dimensions so galio might be based on the eye of ra in egyptian culture a goddess usually described as a lion and the sun's protector that is the sun's protector in egyptian mythology so that's that but in the show notes i have focused on alchemy because it's more interesting um (laughs) so the next step we have is lunala the moon pokemon mune pokemon (laughs) which is really based on a bat and i found a bat with a moon motif so i found a bunch of research on a billion bat gods that could potentially be based on that there's one called is, pa- is Papaltal a skeletal Aztec goddess? There's Kamots, a Mayan bat god. Leotaji, a, Sam- a Samoan protector bat goddess. Pia, Pia, Makawalu, an eight eyed bat the Hawaiian demigod Maui snatched the eyes from. He, I honestly like looking at Lunala. I think it's just based on a bat in the moon. And I they were just like, you know what? Moon? Bat. Done. Because I think that, like, even fucking Batman. Like, you have the, the picture of the moon and the bat with Batman raising his wings. Bats and moons go together. Yeah. Just like lions and suns go together. Even when you look at, like, what is a what pictures of a lion do you see? Normally, it's in the middle of the Sahara. Not the Sahara. In the middle of the Serengeti with the sun up. Yeah. And even, like, when you look at a lion, it kind of looks like a sun. So I think that with this one they got fucking lazy <laughs> at least design wise they just like bat moon fuck it you know what I thought was really interesting when What's they, when they uh, announced these is that they weren't fire dark types oh really yeah like you would think like the legend for the sun game would be a fire type and the legend for the moon game would be a dark type but they were like no nah, we're gonna make them like a metagross and make them psychic steel and then psychic ghost <laughs> Uh, that's part of like why I think there might be a foothold in alchemy in this. Right, which I think is cool, but like just my like initial, and I think a lot of people's initial yeah. reaction was like, "What well, the fuck is it a fire type?" I mean, even when I was even when I was doing the research for that, I was like, "Bullshit, that's not a fire type." But then I literally had to look it up. I'm like, "Bullshit, that ain't a fire type." Like, and it isn't. It's it's a psychic steel and then psychic ghost, which is why I do think that there's a foothold in some of the esoteric kind of stuff that yeah. I definitely think like what you're saying about the alchemy applies to the steel and I think like the psychic for both of them replies to the parallel uh, traveling between parallel worlds which spoilers you 
That's fine. Spoil it. This podcast. Do. This podcast is based in spoilers. If you're yeah. going to this podcast thinking we weren't going to spoil things, that is all we do. And one of the things we discussed when we were first talking about it is if we're going to discuss it, we have to be prepared for spoilers if we haven't done it. So I'm down with some spoilers. Tell me some shit. You go between uh, dimensions. Oh no, shit. Yeah, I'm in. So like. The whole thing with the Ultra Beasts is that they came from a different dimension. And oh, you really? Literally, the literally the ending of the story is you going to their dimension with your respective legend. So, like, I played Sun, so I went, I rode Sogaleo, Sogaleo into the other dimension, fought the um, the baddie, like the Giovanni of that game, who fused with an Ultra Beast, and you fought, you Pokemon fought her. You Pokemon fought a Pokemon man. Yeah. Or a Pokemon lady. Yeah. That's badass. And then you can also choose, um, depending on, like, I think it's like you have to use Sogaleo during the day and sun, and you go through a portal, and you go into the nighttime, into another, like, dimension, and you can catch... Uh, another Cosmog, which is the baby form of these. Yeah, because these uh, you were telling me these are the first legendaries that have an evolution chain. Yep, they have an evolution chain. It goes Cosmogs, Soul. I forget its name. That's fine. It goes Cosmog something, and then depending on what game you're in, it. So Galio or Lunala. Yeah. But uh, in your respective game, you could go through a portal and catch another Cosmog. That's because it. the Cosmog yeah. in this game that's associated with the female character and is always in that um, bag turns into the legend that you use at the end of the story. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But there's one other legendary we're going to talk about today, and that's Necrozma. Uh, which is the Prism Pokemon, which I don't know dicks about this game, so this seems like it doesn't fit. You can explain it to me in a sec, but uh, black, like black coloration, they think that it could be based on a black dwarf, uh, which would make sense considering it its name literally translates to dead prism in Greek. So that's very death or absence based from what I can tell. Uh, so it could be uh, translated to dead, dead star or a black dwarf or it could be kind of like the representation of a black hole which is what happens when a star collapses. It creates a vacuum, a black hole. So they that's kind of what the research that I saw looked at. But um, it refers to light being a source of its energy and that it's constantly firing laser beams which makes no sense to me but I want to see it in an 80s movie. I mean, I it just it just emphasizes the prism yeah. aspect of it. The and absorption of light, kind of. Yeah. And this is a weird Pokemon, and honestly, when I was making this list of... So, like, when we first started the research, um, I was just, like, breaking up the list that I talk about at the beginning, and I was I was like, all right, Gen 7 has Sogaleo and Lunala, and then I was looking at, like, a... A massive list of legendary Pokemon and I was like oh yeah this is technically considered a legend and I, I say that with hesitation because this game has Ultra Beasts which I mentioned before right and it's commonly associated with Ultra Beasts but it's technically not an Ultra Beast according to the game it's technically a legend it just is usually referred to as an Ultra Beast because I think it's mentioned that it came from like another dimension or something like that uh, but they don't actually straight out say it's a, it's an Ultra Beast. And there's not much lore in the game because it's kind of like 
Mewtwo in the first game where it's just there, it's the level 70 Pokemon that you throw your master ball at and call it a day. I think I think you have to catch all the other Ultra Beasts before it show up. I'm not 100% sure on that. It's been a while since I did it. Okay. Um, but I remember it being like the last thing I caught. Like I caught all the Ultra Beasts and then I caught that one. I don't know if you need uh, all the other ones to show up. Uh, like you need to do all the other ones whether you catch them or not. Because there's a storyline. It's like post game is you do the Ultra Beast storyline. Okay, cool. Uh, it's not like. Yeah, I need they, to pick that game up, huh? It's not like a thing where they're just there. It's uh, it's a, uh, it's a storyline where you uh, actually help with help of the looker, and you do. Ooh, the looker! He's yeah. back. Yeah, he's the he's the post game storyline where you catch the ultra beast. I mean, he him. was an alpha ruby omega sapphire too, wasn't he? Or diamond and pearl? I know he was. Yeah, I think he was. I think they. You know who he's based on, right? Uh, I think you told me. He's based remember. on David Tennant's the uh, uh, David Tennant as the Doctor and Doctor Who, at least in appearance. I can see is, that. Which is why also his only name he's given is the Looker. Um, while the Doctor, the only name that the Doctor ever gives is the Doctor, so he he's really based on on that, or at least he was in his first appearance, which I think was in Black and White, right? The Looker's first <sighs> appearance. I know his first appearance wasn't... Uh, no, I think he was in Diamond and Pearl. He might have been. But he... Yeah, he... His first appearance and how he kind of worked was absolutely based on that. I think he evolved into his own character from there. Which I think is really cool, because he's a really fascinating character. I love the kind of detective stuff that he does and the hijinks we get into. Yeah, but, definitely has interesting uh, side quests, if you want to call them that. They are. I, I think that they're really good side quests, and I think they add a layer to Pokemon that wasn't there in previous incar incarnations. But with that, we are done talking about legendaries and their legendary parallels. And before we leave, Nick, what have you been playing lately? Uh, lately, I've been playing uh, Bloodborne, like I said in the beginning of the podcast. I've been going through my second playthrough of New Game Plus. Um, Josh convinced me, and by convinced, he just said it, and I was like, hey, I want to do that, to uh, platinum this game. And also, I wanted to do the DLC, and what I didn't know is that you can't access the DLC into a, until a certain point in the game. And I had beaten the game, and when you beat the game, it immediately starts at the beginning. So I was like, well, if I want to play the DLC, I have to go through most of the game again. And then technically, the game would be... In the DLC would be a new game plus, so I should probably go through most of the game again so I can balance out the levels. And then I was like, screw it, I'm just going to go through the entire game again because I love this game, and I'll try and platinum it. So I've been doing that, along with playing Breath of the Wild, which is just fantastic oh, of a yeah. game. Uh, it's so much fun to just pick that up when Bloodborne pisses me off and just get lost in that world and then uh every once in a while i'll play some overwatch because we got that nice uprising event going on right now yeah the time of recording uprising is going on which is a great overwatch event it's like fantastic holy shit i think it's my favorite overwatch event so far yeah i agree the the mode is fun nice pv uh like you said last night zombies-esque yeah uh game mode and by zombies we mean call of duty zombies yeah not actually fighting zombies you're fighting robots which are kind of like zombies, but more gears. Yes. As for myself, I'm in the middle of like 15 games right now, which is as per usual. I play The attention span of a gnat. Yeah, so I'm playing... I'm finally playing the first Uncharted game because they were having a sale. 
So I, yeah. I downloaded the Uncharted collection, so I'm halfway through the first Uncharted game. I am playing Diablo 3 again, which I haven't played since it was released on console. And so I'm in the middle of playing Diablo 3 with my friend and also by myself. And in the middle of all of that, I, I'm, at, I'm at Ganondorf or Ganon in Zelda. So I just need to kill Ganon. I just haven't felt like it. And then in the middle of all that last night, I felt like playing a vampire in Skyrim. So I went out and bought Skyrim again. I, I think that's all I'm playing right now. I'm not 100%. Dude, I think you're doing Bloodborne too. Yeah, I'm doing Bloodborne slowly. I mean, I've played Bloodborne a bunch, but I'm just, I want to get the Platinum in it as well. So, yeah, I, I'm doing that as well. I'm... You're, I, you're a mess. I, yeah, I'm a mess. I have the attention span of a gnat. But it also makes it so that whenever one of those games pisses me off or gets, starts to get boring, I can just hop over to another one. Yeah, so, that's like, what I learned when I started playing Bloodborne was I needed another game to play parallel to it, so when I got pissed off at Bloodborne, I could hop to that second game and work on that instead of just stop playing altogether because I like I said before I have an issue <laughs> yeah and, and Bloodborne is one of those games that as as much as I've evolved since my first Souls game it still gets hard sometimes oh yeah like not everything I beat first try like right now I'm stuck on the fucking Bloodstarved Beast on New Game Plus which makes no fucking sense to me because the first time I fought it in in the this playthrough I murdered that thing first try but now I can't beat the Bloodstarved Beast to save my life like fuck this game <laughs> I think that's the last thing I did in that game <laughs> it was that I've been doing chalices because I hate myself <sighs> but with that I think I just thought we should end the show talking about a little bit of what we're playing now and what we're doing just because it humanizes us a little bit because we're not just people who research fucking Pokemon. We're playing video games on our own just because they're fun. It's just something that we do. I mean, I don't I don't watch a lot of television and I don't yeah. do anything else. This is this is how I consume media and it, that's that's about what we're at. Um as for how this show will work, we not only are going to talk about this, we plan on uploading extra-sodes. So not only is our video game lore podcast going to talk about video game lore, but you will also get us talking about some of the other things going on, like new movies coming out, our thoughts on certain aspects of media like movie trailers, and some of the other things that could be going on in the world around us, just because we thought that this would be a good platform to do it on. Yeah. If you like it, we could maybe make another show out of it. Yeah, me and... the One of the main reasons why me and Josh uh, decided to start this podcast is because, yes, we just sat here, researched a bunch of Pokemon legends, and regurgitated it for an audience, but honestly, I wouldn't put us past us doing that without like this podcast like we do that all the time we'll sit in a playstation party while playing overwatch and we'll talk about like the latest thing we researched in a game and tell it to each other and we'll go back and forth and just like the extra things like we've had a million conversations about like media in general and how we think remakes are awful and this that and the other thing and what we thought on the latest movie we just saw so i was just like why wouldn't we just put that in like a podcast form? Yeah, because then we can <laughs> bring our it. conversations that we think are interesting to you guys. So yeah, with that, I think that that about wraps up our first ta- our first episode of Navi Tales. Yes, we did it. If you have any suggestions for games, we should go over 
tweet them at us. My Twitter handle is at the great sweaty P. No, it does not stand for penis. I get that all the time, so don't worry about it. What, and what does it stand for, Josh? It stands for pineapple? Yeah, that sounds about right. That's what it's going to stand for today. <laughs> and Nick, my you got a Twitter handle you want to plug? Yeah, mine's uh, at MrGome17. There's uh, underscores in there, so it's Mr. Underscore Gomes 17. So if you have any ideas for games you might want us to go over, please send them to us. We are absolutely happy to look into them, especially if we don't know shit about them. Yeah. So, yeah, with that, that's the end of Navi Tales, so I guess we'll see you next time. Yeah. Alright, love you. Bye.